All right, Dan. Four uh, four more games past this means four more uh, teams heading to the off season. We're gonna go in alphabetical order for uh, fairness purposes. Let's we'll start with the Bills. A game we were both at in person. Uh, when did you know the Bills were done? <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it was it was um, the fun ended pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I mean the second. This it, it seems like the Hayden Hurst touchdown to go up fourteen mm-hmm. nothing, and then um like the Jamar Chase questionable catch, if you will, um the the second touchdown. I mean, it was they just couldn't do anything on the um at all, knew, all day. So <clears throat> I knew the first time Joe Mixon touched the ball, uh, <laughs> something you and I had talked about about three four days prior to that that was going to be the the X factor. That was that's probably the way the Bengals were going to win that game. It's probably the way the Bengals are going to win the next two games if they get there, right? I mean, he is uh, he's as locked in as he's ever been. He's as healthy as he's ever been. And that offense, regardless of who's blocking in front of him, is uh, is ticking right through Joe Mixon. So uh, we'll leave that alone. We'll talk about the Bengals when the time is right. Let's talk about these Bills who didn't run the football. Josh Allen did not run the football outside of the one-yard touchdown score. Um, they tried Devin Singletary once and decided that wasn't going to work today. They tried James Cook twice, decided that wasn't going to work today. Uh, certainly a team need for this offseason. H- how do they address this, Dan? Do they go back to the draft and bring in another third rounder like most teams are doing these days? Or do they take a, a swing at, at one of these 10 or 11 legitimate free agent running backs out there and maybe uh, you know try to look a little bit more like that Bengals offense did yesterday? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I-, I think we saw it in the second half um, mm-hmm. that – um, James Cook was a bit of a, like a post by um, rookie bump there. So I think going forward, he's going to have quite a bit more of a, of a role going forward. I mean, I don't know if he'll ever turn into like a three down back, um, but in the league now, I don't really think you need that um, with just the way the position is and uh, the way the position is played and um, what what's available in free agency, right? As we've talked about a lot in the past. So yeah, I think the way to go is to move forward with James Cook in a more prominent role going forward. I mean, they they invested a pretty high draft pick in him last year, um, <clears throat> and there's tons of running backs a bit available that they don't really need to shop at the top of the market if they don't want to. It, I doubt that they can, um, but there's going to yeah. be plenty down the line that even if you wanted to add two de- two depth guys. Um, and just kind of remake the the running back room in general. But um, yeah, they, they obviously have to make moves um, sort of all over uh, at least little moves all over the offense. Right. Yeah. There's a world where, you know, I look at this offense and I, and I see Miles Sanders in it, but you're probably right. You know, I just kind of ran their cap numbers. They're, they're, they're not a big restructured team. So I can sit here and say you can restructure seven, eight contracts, which they, they did last year to sort of get to this point. I don't know if that's going to be Brandon Bean's operation this year. He, 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 there's a couple of moves to make, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but you're probably not freeing up enough room to bolster the wide receiver room, like we're going to talk about, and add a prominent offseason uh, you know, running back at the top of that market. So is it Alex Madison's role? That's a guy you and I have mentioned quite a bit for this roster, expiring out of Minnesota, who is sort of unproven. Probably, uh, you, you know, knows how to share the load pretty well right now, and uh, could give James Cook that time to to at least settle into a more prominent role. I think that's probably about right, right? Like three three and a half million a year, something like that for Alex Madison. Yeah, that's that's fair. 
Let's talk wide receivers. Um, it was supposed to be Gabe Davis's year. That was the fantasy draw. That was, you know, is he the next big contract? Is he the next Christian Kirk type contract? Uh, we are not there. <laughs> uh, we are. I don't think we're totally off the Gabe Davis train because he's, he did have some moments. And for, from a statistic standpoint, you know, it's probably right about where he should be. He just didn't exceed it. He just didn't take us to that next level like I think we thought he was going to. Is he a, is he a number two in this league? Is he a number two for this Bills team? I would I would answer no to both of those. I mean, starting with the Bills, if you're a Super Bowl contender and, yeah. and Gabe Davis is your number two, I, you know, I don't think they're going to run that back next year um, and hope that they get more out of him. He's not really like a he, – he's just not like a technical football player to the point where, like, he, he's, he's ever going to succeed um, – in my opinion, without like volume and he's going to have pop-up games where you see, you see talent kind of pop, but um, as a, as a whole in the league, I mean, some other team might be able to utilize him as as a number two on this current roster though. I don't think they're going to move forward with him, um, you know, trying to use him as an impact wide receiver. They obviously, they clearly need somebody um, opposite step digs. I, I think you can obviously, Gabe Davis can be a very valuable player in the right role. I just don't think how he was utilized this last year <clears throat> is going to be best for him moving forward. So yeah. um, if he's on the field for like three and four wide receiver sets, um, that might be a better utilization. You cut his snaps way back, um, you know, just a couple targets a game. He's not really like a take the top off field stretcher, but he can do that. Um so maybe he's like the deep guy. Steph Diggs is like the, the route running technician and you just add a reliable number two across from him. Um, and then you have Khalil Shakir as a rookie, you know, I, he, he, you have him locked up a couple years. He can play a slot role. I don't think you want him getting all the snaps in the slot, but um, you know, they, they, they added a bunch of kind of like depth slot pieces last year. And I could see them kind of doing that. Um, something similar this year with with Khalil Shakir getting the the majority of those snaps. So yeah, I'm not I'm not off Gabe Davis's train either. Um, I think you you characterized that properly. I, I would add he's effective in the red zone. For some reason, he finds himself space in the red zone that he doesn't find in the middle of the field. I think the best way to look at him right now is that when the opposing defense has more than one legitimate secondary piece he's not getting the job done. He's not able to create space when there's somebody good enough to stop him. And when there's not, when there's only one, you know, shut down corner on the other side of the field and, and that's Steph Diggs option, Gabe Davis has a game. Uh, and that's going to be useful in a lot of situations. I think you're right in saying that, that contenders should accept that and contenders should look to upgrade that. Uh, you know, there are pieces out there, uh, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, uh, to some degrees, uh, I'm not going to name some other names yet, but I've got it in the wide receiver piece that contenders should be looking at right now. And if it's a, if it's about giving up a decent draft pick plus a player like Gabe Davis, let me tell you what it looks like right now. It's funny that both those games happened yesterday. Um, the Bills and the, and the Cowboys looked very similar in that CeeDee Lamb was sort of on an island and Michael Gallup just, just didn't know how to get it done. Just didn't know how to get it done for Dak Prescott yesterday. It felt the exact same way with the Bills, only the Bills weren't even trying to go to Steph Diggs, and you know what happened after that game. He's uh, he's making us very aware of that right now. So uh, I put those two situations very similar. We're going to talk about the Cowboys in a minute here, but clearly there's a wide receiver upgrade in Buffalo that needs to happen. Clearly there's a running back upgrade that needs to happen. I don't think um, 
from a running back standpoint, they're going to try to break the bank. Let's quickly well, talk about – yeah. I was just going to say that was – when, you know, we did offseason reviews last year, I think that were – those the glaring holes that people came into the season with kind of bore out over the course of the year, right? <laughs> we were – in week three or four, Gabe Davis went out with an injury, and immediately there were questions locally who was going to play outside. Everybody else on the roster, Jamison Crowder, all these other guys were slot guys, and very few – Jay Kumaro was the only guy – all of a sudden, he's your number two yeah. um, outside receiver on a Super Bowl contending team. Like, I, I think we came into – the Bills came into the season very thin there, and as soon as uh, Gabe Davis went out – the, the lack of depth depth showed itself and they're quite honestly lucky that Diggs and Davis stayed healthy the rest of the year um, or else th- this might have been, happened a little bit sooner here. So I think that it's a pretty obvious, you know, area of need that needs to be addressed. So just yeah, to hammer no that question. <laughs> no, no question. Let's flip to the, uh, well, quickly, the offensive line is obviously, and by the way, there's four teams that we're talking about here, right? All four of them need interior offensive lineup, all of them. So it's, it's just going to be the the thing in the league. It's it's where most of the league is going, right? Get quick releases mean the inside of the line has to be has to be outstanding, as we saw. Uh, you know, a couple of these quarterbacks get basically taken out of their games this uh, this postseason because of it. Um, I'm I'm putting Mitch Morris on the bubble on the roster bubble right now for Buffalo because of the six plus million to free up and because I think they can do better there right now. Even though there's quite a lot of intangibles built into him right now. Um, yeah. Outside of that, the left guard is expiring. Roger Saffold, that's going to have to be an area of concern, possibly even with the first-round pick. I've heard quite a bit about that. And uh, and then we got to flip to the defense, Dan. Here, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this completely on you because I've said it enough times, but what happens with Tremaine Edmonds, the off-ball linebacker, and Jordan Poyer, the safety, this offseason? Should I give you my valuations for him them first and then let you decide? I, I think I know where it's going, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm low on both. I've got them both at 11 million. So I've got Jordan Poyer, the safety at 11 million, where that market, you know, he's 30 something, but the safety market's in the 18s now, and the off ball linebacker market's now at 20 because of Roquan Smith. Um, but I've got them both at 11. Obviously, both have ridiculous intangibles. Jermaine Edmonds is ridiculously young. He's a year and a half younger than most guys hitting the market at his age after five years in the league. Um, both have a ton of value, but. From Poyer's standpoint, I would talk injuries and age. And from Edmund's standpoint, I would talk more intangibles than tangibles. And I don't know if that's something you can pay for. So that's – there's my 30-second take. I don't know where you stand on this. So I I, I don't really have like a – I think they're good players. I mm-hmm. think if – the those the bills are pretty limited in terms of where they can create roster space. So if you're looking like this team needs to make changes, like they can't just move forward after the loss in Kansas City last year, how that all played out, then how this played out last, this year. I mean, they still let's let's be honest, they still have a very very good defense, but there's obviously a flaw whether that's in the co- you know they need a new coordinator, whatever. But there's obviously changes that need to be made. Um, I mean, I'm not sitting here rooting for the those two players to be where they make those changes. I don't think you right. are either. But if we're looking for space, um, those are kind of two spots where you're going to look to create space. And um, specifically with Edmonds, I mean, like, I don't know if you want to lock in, uh, you know, a middle linebacker there moving forward for that kind of money when you're you're already limited in your maneuverability, you know, with the roster moving forward. So 
Um, I totally agree with you. I think, I think it's really in consideration. I mean, the, the Poyer stuff, I'm, I don't, I could see, I think that might be a little more likely, but I'm still on the, the mm. probably no side of that. But um, I know what, I know what you mean. Like you, they, they have to do something here. And that's where I think maybe they just look to make a move at coordinator. Not, you know, nothing against Leslie Frazier. It's just, I, I think mm-hmm. they're going to have to make a change somewhere. Maybe you look to make, to change a, uh, a coordinator, somebody new, a new scheme gets more out of some of these guys. I, I, I don't know, but you just can't flip the whole roster the way the bills are constructed now. So you have to try and um, squeeze a little bit more juice out of some of these guys that you already have there. Um, and the way they've constructed themselves was mm-hmm. heavy pass rush up front to get after guys like Mahomes and, and now Burrow. And last year, Mahomes was barely touched this year again. Joe Burrow and, you know, the game of the year for the Bills was barely touched. So I don't know. That's where I just think they can't remake the whole roster. If you're looking where they can create space, it's Edmonds, it's Poyer. Um, You probably have to you, you probably have to move on and, and try and, yeah. um, you know, cover the holes with money saved from those two guys. So, yeah, I think there's a Tim Settle release. Uh, the defensive line, the interior defensive line was somewhat deep, but also not the best down the stretch, uh, especially with that Oliver's rough game yesterday. He's fully guaranteed on his fifth-year option. So yeah. barring a trade, you're probably not moving off that next year. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure it's, it's it's an upheaval that we need, even though obviously there's a bad taste in our mouths from what we saw yesterday, uh, getting diced up by a really creative Bengals offensive game plan. There's no question about that. Uh, but the, look, at these are the teams you're competing with. It's not like it's not like you just write off yesterday and say, well, that was that was just one game. That is one of the games. That's it's the Bengals. It's the Chiefs. It's the Chargers. These are the teams you have to be able to stack up against from a roster standpoint and from a gameplay standpoint. So, um, yeah, Poyer's injury hurt him down the stretch. His multiple injuries, I should say, certainly the rib injury uh, was the most damaging. Uh, he's looking for his last contract. And knowing what we know about what, how Brandon Bean operates, he's going to lowball that. And Jordan Poirier is going to go find more money somewhere else. That's that's how I read that room. Um, my guess with Tremaine Edmonds, I don't think the tag is coming. I don't think you put any, any kind of $18 million valuation on him right now because his agent runs with that for the rest of his career. Um, I think you probably let him test the market like he did with Matt Mulata a little bit. And when he comes back and realizes that he's offered 12 and a half or 13 or even 14 somewhere else, but he can come back to Buffalo for 12, he comes back to Buffalo for 12. And and then everybody's kind of happy because you got a 25 year old or whatever he is on a two year guarantee. And you can, you can hope to get, you know, squeeze some more out of that, out of that orange and go from there. So that's my read on that. Um, I don't think you lock either up early right now, at least not with top of the market contracts, but. Look, those are two good options, defensively speaking, about to hit the open market. And oh, by the way, these other three teams we're about to talk about need interior, need off-ball linebackers and safeties. So <laughs> it's just how this offseason's looking right now. Um, let's do it. Let's get to some of those um, those other teams. Let's talk about Cowboys. Uh, a game I think we all saw coming. This, the San Francisco defense can be stifling. That wasn't their best effort. And the Pollard injury is really where we have to go here. This this running back situation. Um, I don't know. I, I, are you are you done with Zeke Elliott in Dallas? I feel like it's a 50-50 split, even though this guy's about to make, you know, he's at three for 52 non-guaranteed left. I, I don't even know why this is a conversation. Yeah, so, 
so lay just lay it out quick what you think in terms of their avenues to get out like moving on from zeke versus like incentives yeah. like reasons they would be he would be back on the roster next year I, I don't know because he's a company guy. I, I, I honestly, I, the, everybody yelling at me that he's that he's not not going anywhere are attached to the team, and they know how Jerry Jones operates and Stephen Jones operates, and they love to hang out with players. It's 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 a curse with that franchise is that they don't do enough moving around, that they, they don't do enough flipping, especially at this kind of position. That just look, you can't put you can't put too many eggs in this basket. It, you, there's a there's a world where. Amari Cooper is not on this roster because Zeke Elliott was and that contract. That's a one-for-one one contract shift this, this in 2022. That's what you gave up to keep Zeke Elliott. And you had to keep Zeke Elliott because of dead cap. So it's not like I'm blaming them for that. Well, that's not the case in 2023, all right? They're finally right side up in this contract. They can save themselves about $4.8 million to move on in March. I, I just don't understand why you would put this guy back into $11 million cash it's actually four years on this contract. It's actually four years, 53 million, but none of it's guaranteed. Can you get him to take a pay cut and stick around, especially with this Pollard injury? I, I don't even want to go there. I, I just want to rip this Band-Aid off and get out of this contract. And if you want to bring him back on a one-year deal, fine. Then he's back on this roster in that regard. But that, that contract has to go. The Pollard stuff doesn't scare me. It's a terrible injury. It's a three-month recovery from what I've read this morning. Um, it probably cost him a two-year guarantee in free agency. But are you franchise tagging Tony, Tony Pollard at $10.1 million, Dan? Is that what you're doing if you're the Cowboys? Or is that too much? He's worth three for 27 in our system. He's a $9 million running back in, my, in our system right now. It's it's a tough question now. I mean, the injury changes everything. but And, and I mean, they're not doing that if they're bringing – Zeke back on the current contract, correct? Like you're not like I, I it, it, would, it would only be if they restructure or move on from Zeke that you would do that. I don't I don't know. I, <laughs> I Are you asking me is, if they would pay $20 million for two running backs because it's Zeke at 11 and then Pollard at 9? Yes. This this team would pay $20 million for two running backs. They, they can in their structure you think they can afford to do that. No, of course not, but they'll do it. Okay. Of Look, at here's I did the math in, in our notes, and to me, it's this simple you release Zeke, you save 4.8 million, you franchise tag Pollard at 10.1 or around 10, and all you're doing is adding 5 million of cap to get the player that you probably want in the first place. Am I wrong? No, and that's you, that's you bring in a veteran minimum guy to, to be the RB2 behind Pollard, you hope Pollard's leg holds up for 2023, and then you're right back at square one. With no no obligations financially to a running back, which is probably where most teams want to be every offseason. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. be honest about that situation. Let's just assume that's the case. Pollard's back. Zeke is off out of this contract. I'm not going to say he's off the roster. He's out of this contract, and we move forward. I, I think we both agree this team just did not have enough weapons. And I want to remind everybody, yourself included, that Amari Cooper got traded for a fifth-round pick this year. A fifth-round pick. And they did it before the, the Hill move, before the Adams move, before the Kirk free agent. They, they did it as early as humanly possible, as if to say, we're going to get out in front of this because this is going to be an amazing deal. We're going to move off this three for 60, one for 20 Amari Cooper contract because 20 million is just too much for a wide receiver. And then 11 wide receivers got more than $20 million ahead of them. 
it was unbelievable. And, unbelievable. And then, and then Chase Claypool gets dealt for a, <laughs> a second. Third. 34th or 5th overall pick or whatever. The 32nd. It's the 32nd pick. In, what are we doing, America? Oh, yeah. No, I know. That's crazy. That's, like, good on Cleveland. I mean, good on Cleveland. I'll say that tongue-in-cheek. But um, it was yeah. a great move by the front office to identify, like, a team that was up against the wall and needed to, you know, create cap space. And they jumped mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, questionably but potentially elite um, receiver. You know, so some people would debate that. But, um, yeah, no, I, tot- I totally agree. It's um, – I don't know. I don't know what they're what. You know what they need this offseason, Dan? They need Amari Cooper. <laughs> they needed him last year too. Yeah, I I, I really did like your your um comparison with the Bills that like it, it's mm-hmm. basically C.D. Lamb in that offense. Once Tony Pollard got injured, there was just nothing else they could do. I typically I, in the you know I have been a Michael Gallup supporter. It's just not. It just has not borne out. Maybe it's lingering injury injury stuff, but. Um, they need to add there, just like the Bills need to add across from Stephon Diggs. So I totally agree with your comparison there. <laughs> uh, CD Lamb is now extension eligible. He's a twenty, almost twenty-three million dollar wide receiver in our system. I think AJ Brown's twenty-five million a year is in play. And by the way, do you know why his price is that? He was an eighteen million dollar wide receiver head into this offseason. Eighteen million. He added about five, six million to his valuation. You want to know why? Because he was the only option. Because <laughs> yeah. Dalton Schultz missed half the year, because Michael Gallup missed a quarter and then was a semblance of himself, and CeeDee Lamb was the only damn weapon out there. And when that's the case, you're going to pile up production, and that production turns into dollars. It's just life. So now, a twenty million dollar wide receiver is now a twenty five, probably. You know, when the agent does his work, uh, and that's life. And you're probably going to have to pay that right now. I don't know why. How why CD would make them wait? So we'll so are you, see. Are you- are you indirectly saying that Dallas shot themselves in the foot and inflated yeah. the price on C.D. Yeah. Lamb uh, because of the Z contract? Yeah, it makes yeah it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's bad to me. It's bad management. It's bad management of a good roster, um, and it's them saying we can we can trim some cash and still win enough football games. And you know what they look like? They look like every other Dallas team we've seen over the past decade. That's what they were. I mean, that's where we are. They're a divisional round team, so. Uh, they had a chance to have a surplus. They had a chance to really figure some things out, and uh, and, I, and I thought they, they they shot themselves in the foot with that Amari Cooper move immediately, especially for the compensation they got back. All right, uh, cap wise, look, they're at about six million, top fifty one right now. Here's the one to talk about, and I don't mean to be Stephen A. Smith hot take guy, but I'm reading the numbers. That's all I'm doing. They can restructure Dak because he's got like a $39 million cap in next year. It might even be more. I got to look quickly. But they can restructure Dak and free up about $24 million of space. $49 million cap in next year. So, you know, $49 million on a, on a projected two twenty-five. dollars that's, uh, that's, that's a big enchilada. That's almost 22% of your cap right there. They're going to restructure him in some regard. But if they restructure him entirely, a full Five, you know, five-year void year restructure on that base salary. That means they have sixty-three million dollars of dead cap in twenty twenty-four. Which who cares, right? It's Dak Prescott. Well, that's the final year of his contract, and it's non-guaranteed. So it's kind of a Tennessee Titans Ryan Tannehill situation, if you want to put it in that regard, where Tennessee did not restructure Tannehill before twenty twenty-two. They kept that super high cap hit because they wanted to have an option right now, and they have that option. They can now get out of Tannehill's contract, save $28 million or such in cap, and go on with their lives from there. 
do you believe that the Cowboys have to be careful about this $49 million cap hit being moved because there may be a decision to be made after 2023? On whether to keep Dak or move on? Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Man, I, I mean, trying to kind of nail down what Jerry Jones is going to do and handle this roster is sort of impossible. But, like, I think it's fair to question whether Dak is the guy, the mm-hmm. guy, um, or just a guy. Um, but I I think we're kind of seeing that maybe he's just a, a, a dude who needs talent around him, right? He's not just going to, like, be the, you know, put it on your shoulders, carry a team. You know, he, he needs support, right? So that being said, I mean, I'm, I'm in the corner of, I, I think they're going to have to move to plan to move on with him long-term um, rather than move on from him beyond 2023, but I could be dead wrong on that. So I, I, I agree that they need to be careful with it, but J- Jerry Jones has negotiated in the public. I mean, e- even when uh, Dak was trying to come back from injury last year and he was saying their backup quarterback could have had the job and all, it, it was just like, how he handles these situations is really weird. And like, I don't even want to like try and pinpoint what he's going to do or like if he wants to move on with that going forward, or if he's going to try and just upend the roster or what, what's going to happen here, but they do need to be careful how they handle it. But I don't know where, where I, I think there's at? a, I think there's a legitimate chance that they draft a quarterback in the third or fourth round this year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, just to see where they're at. Not that Cooper Rush didn't do a good job filling in. Um, and, and that could certainly be something that they just tack on a couple of years on a short backup deal and see what they at least have that fallback plan. Um, look, the, Dal- the, the Dak Prescott contract, because of the way they handled it, to your point, right? Because they waited to the very last second, pushed everything in. Liter- I mean, literally, they had, to, they had to double franchise tag him because they ran out of time before they processed his extension. So they they actually had to build in the safety valve that no team wants to have to do in order to get that extension process. It was, it's wild. It's saints and Drew Brees esque. That's always what the saints ended up doing with him. And by the way, the dead cap for the Cowboys is starting to pile up like the saints. And we're going to start talking about Dallas in a cap regard, like we do with new Orleans and we have with Tampa Bay and we are with the Rams and things like that. They're getting into that category. And it's because they did a short deal with Dak with a huge signing bonus and they've already restructured them twice. And if they restructure them again, the numbers are going to look really gross, not only next year, but then after this contract expires, even if they extend him and they start to spread those things out, you're talking 19, $20 million of dead cap per year being added to that next contract. So let's say everything goes well and he's the quarterback for the next five years it's going to make it really hard to structure that third contract because you have pushed and pushed and pushed and you, and you waited to the last second and maxed out his signing bonus and did all the things that the saints love to do. That's where we're headed. So buyer beware with everything that Dallas is doing right now. And by the way, that they're going to do the same thing with CD lamb, right? And next year they're going to do the exact same thing with Micah Parsons. It's just how they do business, but it really hampers the way that they can build for depth. Because when you've got four contracts structured like this and you see all that plugged up cap, there's just nowhere else to go outside of that. Right. And to our point, if Dak is a guy that needs support around him and you're and you're handcuffing mm-hmm. yourself in the, you know, the ways that you can provide that support around him um, via, you know, ads to the roster. 
I don't know where they go. I like it. Are yeah, we, it's, com- it's competing are we, arguments, isn't it? You know how we sort of just like talked it into existence last week with the whole Vikings Jefferson. Do they just yeah. kind of stop now and blow it up? Are we sort of like trending in that direction that maybe Dallas should just like take? You a, know why we're uh, not? You know why we're not? Because back. of Micah Parsons, right? And that's, that makes that's sense. Why we're not? They have core players on both sides of the ball, really in every element. And I, I can't. I don't think we can call Trevin Diggs that. You know, Trevon Diggs there anymore. He had a really rough 2022 and certainly in the postseason. Um, but but the, I, I, I think guess there's, I'm... there's enough players around the roster. Like, they even found a left tackle out of nowhere here. This time. Yeah, Smith. I was going to say it's an aging offensive line. I, I mean, because I, I, I think you could – the Micah Parsons thing kind of lingers in the back of my mind. Like, without him, though, I think it's – like, you, yeah. you kind of have an old roster approaching Cap Hell with a quarterback that you're not totally sure what you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could make, I, I could see somebody making a point that they should. I mean, I doubt they would ever do that. I'm just saying, though, if you're going to keep, you know, compounding the problem year after year into the future, like you kind of got to stop at some point and say, and, and by the way, you know how we know, because, because we talked about how, how much Jerry Jones loves to, you know, stick with his guys and maybe too, too long in a lot of cases, but it's 100% fair for us to be having this conversation right now with Dak Prescott because of how they treated that second contract. Because they they went out there publicly and said, we're waiting to the very last second. We're franchise tagging them. We're going to lowball the offer. We're going to make sure that we do everything possible to get what we need out of this contract because we don't believe he's a top-of-the-market contract. And when it was all said and done, he was a $40 million quarterback, which wasn't top-of-the-market, but it was pretty damn close. So they've shown us with their contractual negotiations – that they have issues with Dak Prescott too. They, they sure. showed it to us. So, so we're allowed to have this conversation, especially now that the thing's basically on a one-year tender. Um, anything else, Cowboys? We have to get to here. Our, our, one of the uh, one of the team needs I have is interior line, as I mentioned. Basically, everybody. The left guard is headed for free agency, and the young center rookie is on an expiring contract. Are they fine though? If they just keep Zeke Elliott and make him the center going forward on that four-year contract. <laughs> you, you didn't think I was going to get through this without saying something, right? <laughs> Let's move on to the Giants. Um, where are we with the Giants? Have we ever had a, a more back and forth situation? I mean, eight, eight days ago, Daniel Jones was, we have to extend this guy tomorrow, give him 100 million guaranteed. I bet you half of Giants land right now is like, I don't know. I'm not even sure worth the franchise tag. Don't you feel that way after just a one day clunker? Yeah, probably, but I think after what we've seen mm-hmm. him and Dable do this year with literally no weapons for the Thank most, you. most of the year. They I were mean, not supposed to be here, Dan. This was not right. supposed to be happening. That, that's right. Keep going. That is exactly the point to be making, yes. Yeah, so year two of Joe Shine, Brian Dable, I, I think as they start to like sink their teeth into this roster um, – they're going to put the players around him that they want to utilize. And um, if Dan, I mean, who knows, maybe they just don't see Daniel Jones as the kind of guy they want moving forward, but everything that Dayball has said and how they've operated, yeah. it seems like they're at least wanting to see what they have there. I mean, it, it's, re- we all know you're always chasing the franchise quarterback. It's really hard to move on from a guy you don't really know what you have in. And I think Daniel Jones did enough, um, this past year for us to question our priors on if we really know what he's able to do going forward. So I do want to see them put some, some pieces around him. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like to see him there for, you know, maybe like a, 
some sort of short-ish commitment to him, two, three years, something like that, that just let gives him another, you know, let, lets them kick tires on him and lets him um, sort of just see what if he can build on what he did last year. So, yeah, this was supposed to be the we acquired the Dave Gettleman mess and we're taking on 55 million of dead cap and we're just going to kind of, you know, gut through this year. It's a big old showcase evaluation year for everybody on this roster right now. If we've kept you, it's because we think you have a chance on a one year basis. <laughs> and a lot of guys passed that test. Let's put it that way. And uh, and half that team probably didn't. That's just life with a new regime. And that's where we are. New GM, new head coach, new everything. Uh, they outkicked their coverage. They had a hell of a year going through that transition bridge year that they were in. And Daniel Jones was a part of that. And he got better as the year progressed. That's all you can ask right now. Because now what they get to do is, is take Daniel Jones for, let's say, three more years, two, two fully guaranteed. Let's say it's three for 75 or three for 80, something like that, whatever it is. Uh, maybe it's three for 100. Maybe 33 million is the going rate for an I don't know quarterback right now. That's probably about right. Um, but they now get to see him for two years fully guaranteed around pieces that they want there, not pieces that they acquired. So I, I think that's the way to look at this. And by the way, it starts with the wide receiver room. I think you, you mentioned it there. Uh, tons of holdovers. They brought over a couple of players from Buffalo who, you know, Hodgins worked out gangbusters. Sterling Shepard. Richie James, Darius Slayton, all pending free agents. Kenny Galladay is still on this roster, Dan. He's got a $4.5 million roster bonus that's fully guaranteed. But if they move on, they can save about $6.5 million a cap. Are they paying that roster bonus to say, go away, please? How do you keep this guy? He wasn't even dressing uh, some games. Yeah, regardless, he's. I, I would say the odds on him returning – to New York are not good. So, however, they move on from him, cap cap wise, um, you're gonna pay him. Pay you're gonna pay him that cash to go away. I, I think you have yeah, to, I, right? I, yeah, they're not. I mean, they don't want it. This wasn't just like a, you know, <laughs> Kenny's not really, you know, you know, turning into what we want. It was it was a soured relationship. I don't think they have any intention of moving on with him um, on that roster. No. So, however, what? they need to move on from him. They will. <clears throat> One of the worst free agent contracts in NFL history. Just yeah, know. pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, it's up there. It's no question it's up there. Um, that's four wide receivers that are not on this roster next year. It's not a great open market for wide receivers. We've mentioned some names that could be on the trade market. This is a destination. You know, it's also not a great draft for wide receivers. So uh, they're going to have to be really creative with how they operate right now. And with how they move forward, because if they're going to empty that cupboard, which we believe they will look, Richie James probably comes back on like a 6 million per year cut type deal. Uh, I think he did enough on that offense to show he sticks, but I, I can't imagine Slayton's back and I can't imagine, imagine Shepard's back. So that, it's, it's a major, major area of concern, but this is, I think there's a receiver or two out there thinking, I want to be inside that Brian Dable offense. <laughs> I think For there sure. are. And I think, like you, you already pointed out, that Hodgins is a nice find. Wandell Robinson showed, yeah. you know, some promise before he got injured. You have Daniel Bellinger. I mean, he—I don't think he's like a, right. a top five tight end in the league, but I think he's a rookie who showed some promise. Um, you know, dynamic tight end. I, I think you have some pieces there that you just like. So you don't, you don't need to blow this up by any means. You're just moving on from some key parts of that, surrounding mm -hmm. Daniel Jones with some better, um, you know pieces that are better suited for their specific offense and see what you have. Uh, yeah, I think, I think 
a few a few quick moves could remake things there quickly. Yeah. That's good. There's going to be a big push for Daniel Jones to get the $32 million franchise tag. Are you in that camp or not? I actually was as of uh, maybe like a week or two ago. And I think uh, recent conversations between us, I, I sort of am more in the camp of they, they make some sort of extension offer to him. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I, and it's about stabilizing this new regime. Right. You right. want you want uh, Joe Shane and Brian Dable to have their quarterback attached at the hip for two, like I said, maybe two to three years guaranteed. And you want everybody else to know that you want to be going into March 15th with everybody knowing, hey, we're not just blowing this thing up. We're not just trying to figure this thing out on the fly. We have we have an established system, offensive system with a quarterback that we believe can continue to flourish in it. And if you want to join on for two years, tight ends and wide receivers and running backs, we're here for that. So I think it's important that they put their foot in the sand and say, you know, because the franchise tag is exactly the opposite, right? It's it's basically saying out loud to everybody, we just don't know. And that's not a great way to go to the offseason and try to re- rebuild your weapon set, you know? Yeah, you and, 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 if they, and if they have to go back into 2023 with, like, essentially, like, you're, aren't you just in purgatory if you run it back with Daniel Jones on a – franchise tag and a bunch of questionable pieces around him yeah. minus Saquon Barkley you're just you're throwing him to the fire again and he's probably gonna he's probably gonna fail so yeah, yeah totally... you're you're the, you're the 2017 Redskins with Kirk Cousins who you went year by year with but didn't have the offense around him to actually give him a good chance and you ended up with absolutely nothing which is where the Giants could be if they don't if they don't handle this the right way right um Saquon Barkley does he get that $10.1 million franchise tag? Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I I think it, it would – does that depend on what their plans are with Daniel Jones? I mean, like, if you extend him and say let's give him one another year of Saquon Barkley, I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't think I'm really, like, qualified you, to answer that question. I think you're walking right down the same path I am, which is – if you're giving Daniel Jones three years, you give Saquon Barkley three years. Why wouldn't you just attach these two players to the hip right now? Neither of them are, are going to the top of the market. Now, look, I've got, I've got Barkley at about $12.5 million, which is, you know, that's Mixon-ish. That's Nick Chubb-ish. It's right in that second tier. It's not McCaffrey. It's not Kamara. It's not Dalvin Cook. It's kind of Dalvin Cook. If his agent says, you got to make it 15. This is New York City. This was a, a number, what was he, number two overall, number four overall, whatever the hell he was. Wherever he came from, you've already overvalued him. So I know that wasn't this regime. That was the Gettleman regime. But and, and, and in other words, everything about him is surplus. So if my four for 50 at 12 and a half has to become four for 75, but still only two years guaranteed, you know how this works. I, I think that's probably where we end up with Barkley. But to, to your original point, you're just going to align the guaranteed dollars of Jones and Barkley together and say, you guys have two years to figure this thing out together in this Brian Dayball regime. And if not, then we're going to cut bait at that point and start over. I I think it's totally fair. Barkley's the right age for that. Jones is certainly the right age for that. So I don't think either of them get the franchise tag. I think everybody operates with a multi-year extension, couple-year guarantee, cap flexibility, and uh, and then in two years, if it's going really well, then they both probably get, you know, big time pay jumps. But we'll see what happens after so, that. So did you hear his um, post game com- uh, comments? Uh, Barkley? I did, yeah. So they asked him about 
I'm sorry because I don't remember the exact question, but it was something about his market or whether he mm. wants to be in New York or th- and he said, I'm not I'm not worried about resetting any markets. I understand I had two years for really? ma- major injury concerns. Yeah, I sort of cringed from like a God, he was probably miserable. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fine, I'll find the clip after this, but basically he said, I'm not worried about resetting any markets. I understand I have injury concerns. Um, I enjoyed my time here, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm I I didn't take that as I think he's out of town. I, I think it's a, a credit to your point that like he slides in under that into that next tier of running backs um yeah. for a multitude of reasons. And he sort of confirmed it and said, I'm realistic about um, my situation here. The only thing that lingered in the back of my mind is him coming out saying that immediately. I mm-hmm. wonder if he understands the limited shelf life of his career and maybe he doesn't want to be a part of like a, a re- the rebuild of that team, like two or three years going. Um, and maybe he wants to pick and choose like more of like an immediate Super Bowl contender and is willing to take a little bit less than market value to make that happen. But am, am I reading too much? I mean, it's unfair to ask you this question because you didn't hear the clip, but um, like, is that too in between the lines, you think? It, a, it could be just ridiculously honest. Obviously, that's exactly what we're all thinking. B, it could be his way of saying, Please don't freaking franchise tag me. All I want right now is more than one year guaranteed. And, and that's all any running, any running back wants, by the way. So uh, it could just be him saying, I'm willing to, you know, be realistic if it means I, I get more than one year guarantee out of this thing. And if this is the team that will do it, fine. Otherwise, I, I'll find a team that will do it. But it's probably his way of saying, you know, haphazardly, don't do this to me one year because – with his injury history and whatnot, you know how dangerous that can be for him. But it's fine to beware, of course. Yeah, super interesting, though, that he said that, just knowing the situation there, how they're going to handle Jones, just the whole trajectory of that team. I thought it was a really interesting comment. So I did not hear that. That's definitely kind of breaking news. What athlete actually understands their value and says it out loud, right? Right, um, right. <laughs> Dexter Lawrence, is he getting paid? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you who is while you're thinking about that. Left tackle Andrew Thomas. Uh, holy cow, did they hit a home run on this guy? This guy, he's one of the top graded uh, PFF offensive tackles in history. He just destroyed our algorithm from a market value standpoint. I mean, this guy, this guy could go up to Trent Williams' money if he wants it. He's a $21 million player in our system right now. If he says, if he and his agent stand in front of the Giants and say, you got to make us the highest paid tackle in the history of football, I don't think anybody would bend too much. Because uh, what are the Giants going to say? No, we don't, we don't really need a left tackle right now with Daniel Jones. Right. So he's, a, he, he's absolutely soared to the top of that list. The Dexter Lawrence stuff is interesting because it's kind of a one-year wonder here. He's, he started to come on late last year. Um, the Leonard Williams stuff with Dexter Lawrence has worked out well, but Leonard Williams is entering, entering an expiring contract. Dexter Lawrence is entering the fifth year of his, of his contract, and obviously it's a, it's time to really start to think about this thing. So um, hell of a year. He's not, you know, an Aaron Donald-type valuation in our system because it's kind of just come out of nowhere. He's more of a Grady Jarrett-type player around that $16, $17 million mark. Uh, I don't know. Are the Giants in position to be doing that right now? I guess is the best question. You know, are are they Dan, are they a real contender? Can they win their division next year? No. I mean, 
Yeah, it's really tough. That's why I think they're in sort of like a two, three year window, which I like is I like your points about lining up the guarantees on offense and how they handle these these other players. I'm not (laughs) sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you've got Thibodeau. Obviously, he's a stud. I mean, that's the Michael Parsons you needed. He, he really rounded into form. I, I, I think you're probably paying Lawrence just to lower that cap hit on the fifth-year option and, and I guess give him the three years guaranteed. So I, I guess now we're saying you're going to align Lawrence and Barkley and Jones sort of at the hip here and, and see what the next two to three years gets you. And hopefully that you know Joe Shane can build a, a hell of a team around them with some depth. But, you know, they're third in this division until they're not, you know, until Dallas falters and certainly the Eagles were going to have their own sort of defensive troubles this offseason. But they're third in this division, let alone the NFC at this point. All right. Well, to our earlier point, though, very few commitments financially, too. So if they wanted to pay those guys, you know, like just to say, like, we're not going to totally go down to the gut. You know, you don't have to strip it down bare bones that if they want to have a couple key pieces on defense, um, very, you Mm -hmm. know, cheap rookie-ish deals on, you know, everywhere else on the roster, you, you know, beyond quarterback, then, yeah, I, I'd have no issue with it. So, yeah. yeah it's not, we're Outside of the running back with Barkley, we're, it's not like we're talking about players that don't bring utter importance to the game, you know, 100 snap, 100% of the snaps. These are these are guys that are out there every single time. You know, nobody's ever going to yell at a team for going $20 million plus on a left tackle right now. It's just not going to happen, uh, even though team needs I have for Giants are certainly the interior uh, their left left guard Gates was, uh, I thought, under underperformed, and he's a free agent. And center John Feliciano was kind of a fill-in. Uh, there is a, there are some some young players that should be able to step in there, but I don't know if you're going to pay Jones, you better go back and uh, and at least add a draft pick and an off and a couple of free agents with that kind of uh, offensive line surplus in mind. And then this is another team that needs a middle linebacker. <laughs> they just do. Uh, they need somebody to stand in between Thibodeau and, and another couple of the rookies that they've got on the edge and, and just kind of run this show. And that's why I mean, that's what I mean, Dan. If the Bills let Jermaine Edmonds walk, there's really good teams out there. And by the way, yeah, right. Brian, Brian Dable knows exactly who Jermaine Edmonds is. And Joe Shane knows exactly who Jermaine Edmonds is. This is a team that could easily walk in there and say, this is a guy right now with the pass rush that we've established over the past 18 months here that could just say, just, step into our defense and take over tomorrow with a, with a bit of an overpay. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see where that weapon specifically ends up in the next couple of weeks, because I do think it's, if it's not the bills, it could be a very good team that signs him. Right. And, and laying all of that out, Mike, I mean, like if Daniel Jones is at least competent, you add some offensive pieces around him. You have Thibodeau Lawrence. If you throw yeah. Edmonds onto that defense, yeah. like we, we said how it's an uphill climb to chase the Eagles at the moment, but the rest of that division is up for grabs. You could, I mean the Cowboys as well, but we just laid yeah. out what a mess they're going towards. It's not out of the realm that this is a, a, a already close to a legitimate wild card te- contender for the next few years. Right. And, and you could also establish the, the fact that they could win a lot of ball games with their defense. By, yeah, exactly. By, right. opti- by opting to build in favor of the defense versus going huge on the offensive side of the ball. So right. there's a there's a world where a lot of these things make a ton of sense. I, I saved the Jaguars for last, you know, one, because they're alphabetically last, you know, and, and two, because I just don't have much that much to say. 
this is a team that did so much damage this offseason. You know, they, they led the league in guarantees added. It was like $158 million added in free agency and guaranteed dollars. A lot of it really paid off. Uh, you got to give these guys a heck of a lot of credit. I think that's Trent Balky doing some of that work, which he's had his ups and downs, that's for sure. But uh, Peterson made a lot of this stuff work, especially offensively. There's holes. Uh, you, you don't have really a massive extension that has to get done. I've got Josh Allen, the, the, the edge defender, as a potential extension candidate. He's entering his fifth-year option, fully guaranteed at about $11 million. $11 million. I, I mean, he's not – He's not, you know, the next top of the market edge defender contract. He's more of like a Matt Judon type deal. So uh, Jacksonville could easily do something like that if he'll bite and, and keep him around for two, three more years. They're they're twenty million over in terms of their uh, their top fifty one cap right now, which probably surprises people, but it's it makes sense if you think about it, right? Free agent contracts generally the second year of those deals is where the big cap boom is. So they're going to have to restructure the hell out of this roster just to get themselves healthy. Uh, Christian Kirk, Cam Robinson, Brandon Sheriff, that right there frees you up like like $35 million of cap space. So they're, they're, they're going to be okay. And then I think it's about the secondary. And that's where I, I have the most focus on this team right now is, you know, probably moving on from Shaq Griffin, which frees up $13 million. You just got to get out of that contract. And then I think it's a total rebuild. I mean, I, I am drafting as heavily as possible in that secondary to get young and fast. Because this is a division that they should just roll through now. Just absolute roll through. If they, if they play their cards right, they should own this division now, being a level above everybody else in the Colts. Excuse me, the Colts starting over. What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Division's wide open. Jacksonville, the pieces are in place. Um, there's – yeah, there, like you outlined, there's, a, there's some glaring holes on – on defense. Um, that's kind of the main focus, I would think. Um, I, I personally, I think Doug Peterson's a coach who can get less is more out of, you know, yeah. his offensive, his offensive personnel. Um, but now you add Calvin Ridley, there's some major question marks. He's basically been out of football for almost two years now. Um, some big question marks about what you'll exactly get out of him. But if that's an impactful, another impactful piece you add there, um, you address some defensive holes. I really like this team, um, the team and how they're set up to move forward in that division going forward. So um, tons of question marks in Indy, Tennessee. They could have a – I mean, we're both – I think they blow it up, Dan. I think they blow it up. Yeah, that's – so we're big Mike Rabel guys, but um, they're closer to to probably blowing it up than they are to kind of pushing forward too. So – yeah, it's wide open there for years to come, and uh, you know, from our perspective, <clears throat> are, are they uh, are they paying Evan Engram, or are they going to try to upgrade there? Mm. Got him at about nine million a year. I mean, he certainly had his moments, but I'm not sure he's consistently a number one tight end, is he? <laughs> TBD on that. Uh, from uh, is he a number one tight end? But I think both sides, like so. Let's compare this to Hunter Henry, who was an emerging tight end a few years ago um, in a good offense. But people thought that maybe there's a next step up for him. Maybe there's a little bit more meat on the bone. Let's see if he goes somewhere else. Well, we saw how that played out. He landed in a worse offense. Um, he The numbers haven't necessarily lived up to, to how they're bearing out. So 
Evan Ingram had a promising rookie season, um, followed up by a couple of clunkers in New York. He sees a he sees a new um, change of scenery, and he has a basically an explosion year. So I think there's some question marks for both sides. I think the player would be realistic that like his track record necessarily hasn't been that great. So maybe he would. I, I all of this is to say that I think it went so well in Jacksonville for him um, that he would be motivated to kind of want to stay in that place. So if they give him a reasonable contract on that, the team might have motivation to just run it back with a play, a talented player. Um, athletically there's questions about like technically if he's like a good tight end but um physically and athletically he's an incredible talent um and from both sides should have motivation to sort of meet somewhere in the middle i know they're both going to be wanting to find value but um i think he should want to stay in jacksonville a little bit longer they probably want him back um unless some team just blows it off uh blows the doors off with a major contract but then we see how that works out with the hunter henry uh, (laughs) it's a it's a it's not a great tight end market, but I think Mike Gusecki's out there. I think Dalton Schultz is out there, unless he gets a second franchise tag in Dallas. I didn't even mention that part of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but he might be out there, and those are options. Those are legitimate options. Uh, I agree with you that I think both sides understand. And by the way, Pearson's offenses have generally focused on a tight end, right? That was the Zach Ertz stuff. Dallas guarded there at the end. It, there's a, there's a w- world where – his role actually expands. And by the way, there's a world where his role actually gets easier next year because Calvin Ridley's here. (laughs) I mean, this is going to be Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, and potentially Evan Engram with ETN out of the backfield. This is, that's potent. I mean, that's way better than anything else the AFC South has to offer, let alone much of the AFC, right? Yeah, and I'd be shocked if they don't add a number two. I mean, we saw they, they moved on from James Robinson earlier, then it was Jamichael Hasty and a bunch of no names. Yeah. So I think they'll definitely be one of these teams that are in on one of these, uh, maybe one of the the running backs that the market kind of falls down, you know, falls a little bit on. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's all set up for them to, you know, like we just laid out offenses there and yeah. make, some, make some moves on defense and, and you're set up for the long term. Yeah, keep upgrading that old line. They got to keep going. The right side needs some help, and the center position needs some depth. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence took the step they wanted. He won't be extension eligible until after 2023. And, uh, you know, they did a lot of their contract damage last year. So it's going to be a, an offseason of restructures, maybe a Josh Allen extension, maybe an Evan Ingram extension. And then you bring in Ridley and see what the hell you have. It's it's come out of nowhere. It's kind of gone exactly to plan after you drafted Lawrence. So it's uh, – Kind of nice to see that work out. Anything else on these final on these four teams before we uh, get the heck out of here for today? No, I think we. I think we. Here's a here, here's a question: Which of these four teams is not back in the divisional round next year? Good question. I, the I, I'm gonna say the Giants. Um, okay. Hot take: the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Giants would be the easiest answer. Yeah, right. Because, exactly because of their divisional, you know, like, like we talked about. I mean, the Eagles and Cowboys probably should be better than them, unless they have a hell of an off season. Um, yeah, I can get there. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about Josh Allen's elbow. More than a little, I'm, uh, especially after he got hit again with five minutes to go in that game yesterday. 
I, I have a feeling we're going to see more medical news about that coming out soon and possibly whatever you do with the UCL. I don't know if it's surgery. You know, I, I know a lot of baseball guys. It's one of those things, Dan, where you, you know, people pitch through it, right? And then they get something done to it and then they have to take a month or so off and then they're right back at it, right? It's a, it's a weird injury. It's not a year-long injury most of the time for pitchers, but it's 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 a nagging injury. It's one of those things that keeps coming back. Is that is that incorrect and saying? Uh, from what I know, no, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, that's what Trevor Story's dealing with right now, right? And he's going to miss some time now with the Boston Red Sox. I think that's yeah, exactly, right. Yeah. So it's, I think it's functional, as you saw Josh Allen be functional after suffering that injury. But there's, a, there's probably more to that coming in the next couple of weeks here once everything settles down. All right, my pick's going to be the Giants, too. I know it's the chalk pick, but I, I do think that they have too many hills to climb this offseason, too many, too many holes to replace. I don't think they belonged here in the first place, and I think they understand that. But good on them because I think they figured out some things. I think they know that the system that they have is going to work. They just have to take, I think, two off seasons to fill in those blanks. That's all. And then at that time, Dak Prescott might be right going down instead of up. Who knows where the Eagles will be? Because talk about you know teams that get themselves in cap hell. That's that's the ultimate. That's the triple bonus team, right? And they're going to pay Jalen Hurst this year, which is going to impact the way that they can build the rest of that roster going forward. So there's a. Uh, but Howie Roseman, man, Woo. AJ Brown, out, right? everything, everything about everything about what he's done for I don't know a decade now, outside of Wentz. And by the way, even Wentz was it wasn't the worst when he was there. It wasn't the worst. He got outplayed, and then they understood that the the problem was between the two ears and not so much anywhere else. But um, there's a lot of hits in that Eagles front office. A lot of hits, and they uh, they showed that this offseason. So who's going to be that team this year, right? Who's going to be the team that 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 sees what they have and just develops the crap out of the roster around them literally goes all in. Is there, is there a team you have set in mind right now off the top of your head? It's weird, right? Cause a lot of these yeah. rookie quarterbacks had kind of like whatever years. Are you super psyched about any of the rookie quarterbacks right now? Even the year two guys outside of Trevor. Um, I, I think I think Fields is super interesting, but we've okay. talked to – I mean, I think the exciting part of Justin Fields might be the detriment to if he's going to struggle. Like if that's – if he needs to develop on, you know, on the throwing side of things a little bit. But um, I, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle. I know what you mean. It's been overall disappointing, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm going to punt. I'm going to punt. It's a weird year for that discussion. You know, the yeah. Bears could be that team, quite frankly. The Bears could be that team because well, I guess we could say the Lions, although, the, you know, they don't, they don't have the young quarterback. But the Lions could be the team that really, you know, go out and spend $150 million in free agency and, and, and try to actually get this thing right. So, Yeah, good pick. I like that. They showed enough. I mean, Dan Campbell's kind of won everybody over. They have pieces yeah. there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, maybe that's – Next, like maybe we're going to be a year too early on that. Maybe that's next year after they hypothetically mm-hmm. move on from Goff or whatever happens with Jared Goff. But um, yeah, I like that. I like that. They're they're a team that's probably going to look in the mirror at some point and um, kind of put the put the foot on the gas a little bit. So good stuff, man. All right, thanks, Mike.